time, and Mackenzie will come and and uh, read us Haggai chapter one, verse verse thirteen through two four, I believe. Then, then Haggai the Lord's messenger gave his message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. But now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all people of the land. Declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Thank you. Thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you, Cheyenne, for that beautiful ministry of music. If Yeah, there's Cheyenne. I thought she might have went downstairs. Um, so, um, not that she's five and under, but she might have went down to help. The message is specifically, this message this morning is specifically designed for those who are discouraged. (laughs) I hope I have some besides myself at times. If you're hurting in your life right now, it's my prayer that this will speak to you, and I know so many people are. If you're just joining with us, we're actually in the middle of a second part of a three-part series on the book of Haggai. It's a minor prophet. And if you missed last week, I want to give you the background just so you will understand the main story and we'll dive into part two of this series called The Time Is Now. And in your sermon, in your bulletin on the orange page is a sermon outline that you can fill in blanks if you would like to as well. Last week we talked all the way back to when King Solomon built for God the most magnificent temple. It was mind-blowing, incredible. It was the greatest temple ever built. People came from all over the world to worship God and show Him honor and quite honestly, just to see the glory of this temple. Unfortunately, we know that after King Solomon died, people turned away from God. As we often get distracted and they started worshiping idols. And so God allowed a series of events to take place. To try to bring their focus back towards Him. We talked last week about the destruction of the temple in 587 B.C. Under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian army destroyed, completely devastated Judah including the massive insult of destroying the house that God dwelt in, the temple. The Babylonians took the Jewish people into captivity for five decades. Fifty years they were in captivity. And so you can only imagine the sense of relief and hope for the first time in 50 years when a remnant of people were allowed to go back and begin to rebuild their homeland under the governor Zuberville, yeah, my tongue is not working this morning, about 50,000 or so people went back to rebuild their city. The first priority was to build the house of God, and so they started building the temple. They got to the foundation in place, got the altar in place, they were met with some resistance, and guess what they did? They gave up. They quit. Fourteen years the temple sat there unfinished with no progress. God raised up the prophet Haggai to call the people back to the task. Don't just focus on your house. Focus on God's house. Let's put God first. And we'll pick up the story with that context in mind. In Haggai chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, this is what Scripture teaches us. Here it is up on the screen as well. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord, to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shenatel, and I think uh, she did much better with it than I am, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jezedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So what did God do? Here's what God did. God stirred up the spirit of the governor, the high priest, and all the people. What does God often do in our life? God will often stir up our spirit. God gives you hope to accomplish something that God puts on your mind. 
God did this for His people. He gave them a sense of faith. And what He said was, you were supposed to rebuild the temple. He stirred up their spirits, and this will happen for those of you that are followers of Jesus. There will be those times, like out of the blue, and all of a sudden, God will stir up your spirit and say, do this. You have faith for something. You want to attach it and that's and attack it, excuse me. And that's because God has stirred up your spirit. But the story goes on this way. Here's what it says. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Here's what's happening. They're saying we can do this. We're going to build God an amazing temple. We can do this. One month goes by and guess what happens. Here's what happens. I'm going to give you the nutshell this morning. They quit. Now they just, they just said the words that are on the screen all by themselves for a reason because I want you to catch the magnitude of what they're saying. A little resistance comes. A little fight comes. And they quit. All the people gathered around the temple construction site. They're like, is this all there is? This is pathetic. This isn't much progress. All of a sudden, everybody was discouraged. They were embarrassed. They were trying, we're trying to do our best, they said, and you don't like it. So they just quit one month in. We can do this. We can do this, they said. But one month later, it fizzled out. Let's be honest. How often does that happen in our own lives? We're going to do this. We're going to we're going to attack. Then we flame out before we ever get started. We are all like this in some degree. We can attack, we can build this temple, we can do this and one month later to the day because they dated everything. They quit. Sort of like saying, I'm going to go on a diet. And we walk into the kitchen and there sits the double stuffed vanilla Oreos. Now you just told God how great of a diet you're going to go on. And the bowl's sitting there like saying, put Oreos in me and take me to the couch. And it fizzles out. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get out of debt. We're gonna we're gonna fight like 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 we're gonna attack and we're gonna get out of the de- we're gonna get out of debt and then oh now it's Christmas time and we have a bunch of gifts to buy and I guess we'll just put it on the credit card. And then my personal favorite, since I am a member of a gym that I have not attended in six months. January comes around. And you think, for those of you that have never been a member of a gym, you think this is a joke, but it is really not. The gym is packed. You can't even find a treadmill at Planet Fitness half the time. February comes. A couple more treadmills left. March comes. You can pick any treadmill you'd like. Because, oh, I'm going to get in shape fizzles out. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to do what I have to do. We're going to do this and then we don't make the progress we think that we should. So we get incredibly discouraged. That's exactly what happened to the people of God here in Haggai. One month in, when it didn't look like they were going to, what they were, what they expected it to look like, they get incredibly discouraged. So God had Haggai ask them this question. And to me, it's a loving, it's almost like God is trying to get to the root of their discouragement. If you're discouraged today, perhaps you're discouraged because of one one of these two reasons we, refi- we find revealed in this question in Haggai chapter 2. And here is the Scripture passage, verse 3. Who of you have left? 
Who of you is left who saw this house in the former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Haggai asked them on behalf of God, Who of you have seen this house in the glory that it once was? In other words, here's the real question Haggai's asking, but he asks it a little nicer. Who's old enough to remember Solomon's temple? Wasn't it amazing? You look at yours and he says, how does it look to you now? Does it seem like nothing? Who of you remember the former temple and its amazing glory? Does this one look like nothing to you? You see, what happens is discouragement comes into our lives. And so God in His loving way says, listen, Haggai, go to them and ask them these couple of questions. Ask them, who remembers the glory of Solomon's temple? Ask them, who was old enough to remember what went on in that temple? But we also see two causes of discouragement. Causes of discouragement. And here they are on the next slide. Number one, comparisons. It's your first blank in your sermon outline. Comparisons can be a part of discouragement big time. Very certainly, these people are doing the same thing we often do. They were comparing their start with someone else's finish. I want you to catch that. These people in, in, in Haggai's time are comparing their start with someone else's finish. So what they're doing, and that's why God in His loving way asked the question that He just asked earlier on the last slide. Here's what He's saying. Are you comparing what Solomon's temple looked like at the end of their building project before you even start? And it happens today. We get into comparisons. Well, when we did that outreach back in 1980, we had hundreds of people come to Faith Church. Why is it now that we only have 50? Because it's not 1980 anymore. It's 2016, almost 17. The world is different. But do you see how comparisons can be discouraging? Because we look back to the glory days of when the church was actually important in, the, in, in society. And we say, well, I don't understand why we're not getting the same response we once got. Because we're comparing someone else's finish to our start. And every time it's going to sink you. Sink you badly. Because you're going to get frustrated. I don't understand. I'm doing the same thing they did. But I'm not getting the response they got. Because we've changed. Bible scholars estimate that Haggai was probably around 70. Maybe in his mid-70s when he wrote this book. When he's prophesying to them, he's probably around 70 to 75 years of age, which means 50 years before they were in captivity, he would have been a teenager. So here's the really cool part about God. He's asking this guy who did see Solomon's temple in his splendor to ask people who never saw Solomon's temple in his splendor. Get it? So God's using this messenger that already knows the answer. Yeah, I did see it. I was a teenager when this was built. To go to people and say, listen, you're comparing yourself to his finish and you haven't even started. You quit one month in. What do you expect? I don't know about you, but I get incredibly discouraged a lot of times when I compare where other people are that I'm not. And it would be, it would be um, like this. Well, he's got a great job. He's got an amazing car and a fantastic house. I hate my job. My car barely runs, and I'm renting it in a bad neighborhood. 
You might be a lady and you're, you're comparing maybe not with some other lady, but maybe with your, with her kids versus your kids. Her kids go to school in the perfect matching outfits. They go with baked goodies every single day and they have college credit in their fifth grade classes. My kids are barely dressed. I think they had pants on today. They forgot their lunch money and their flunking physical education class. You feel so bad. When you want to be a massive loser, you just go look on Instagram and you're like, well, she was invited. No one invited me. How many play that game? Don't raise your hands, please. Don't raise your hands. I mean, I do. Man, that person liked that person's comment on Facebook, but they didn't like mine. Get over it. But you compare and you say, I'm so discouraged because they like that person better than they like me. No, they just like that person's comment. See, you compare yourselves to each other and that just brings you down into a sand pit that you don't want to be in. You ask questions like, what's wrong with me? You compare yourself, and just like they did, our little pathetic attempt to build this new temple pales to comparison to the glory of Solomon's temple. We're a failure. Look, I hear about it all the time, man. We used to, we, we were up to, we were up to this number one day, Pastor Brett, and we were, we were, we were, we were thinking about building on. We can get there again if we don't compare. We don't look back and say, what happened? But see, sometimes we're so focused on what happened, what went wrong, what went, what, what went south, that we literally do this to ourselves. And we say, well, we can never get back there because we're not the same people. We don't have the energy we once had. Did God change? Did God lose power since that day? Has God somehow said, no way? I don't think so. Let me tell you, if He did, I would have told the denomination to take a hike when they came to say, come and serve temple. See, that's... I would have said, no way. God clearly said He's done. But He didn't. So we get so wrapped up in comparison sometimes that we... That we miss it. We get frustrated and we get discouraged and we leave. We get ticked. And we stop serving. All because we compared. Instead of gotten dirty with our hands. And said, let's do this. Let's build this temple. Let's build this church. Let's see what God has in store for us. Second reason of discouragement is a lack of progress. A lack of progress. We're a month into this, and this is not going well. We're going to try so hard, but we're not getting anywhere, is what these people were saying. And this is how we often feel. For instance, back to the diet again. Sorry, I'm stuck on that this morning. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get on a diet. And so for a whole month, you eat nothing but kale and almonds, and you gain two pounds, and you're like, forget it! I quit! I mean, you ate nothing but kale and almonds. I hate kale, so I would not do this diet. I love almonds. I could go on an almond diet. But anyway, you know, and you, you get on the scale, and you're like, are you kidding me? I, I did the best I could, and I, I gained two. And so what do we do? I quit. I'm done. I'm not going to fight for it. It's not worth it. Where's Domino's number? I'm calling him now. What happened? I'm trying so hard. I'm working out. It's not working. Or you start a business. Whatever. You take take two steps forward and then it seems like three steps backwards. Or maybe you're, it's like your whole spiritual lack of progress. You think, I've been a Christian for all this time, and yet I still say bad words? 
We're going to go worship God. We're going to go to church today. And we, and we cussed all the way there because we were late. I've often told the story of St. David's EC Church was only two minutes from our house. We could literally walk through a field and be there. It was amazing the fights that the Kindig family got in in two minutes. Me and my sister in the back seat boxing each other. My dad and my mom are upset about something and they're bickering back and forth. I'm glad they're not here this morning. Um, but uh, they're bickering back and forth. We pull into the church lot and what does my dad say? It was like no fail. Now put your smiles on and go into Sunday school class. Okay, dad. So the Sunday school teacher would ask me, how's your day going? Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Couldn't go any better. I got hit by my sister 15 times on the way to church. But hey, I'm doing great. See, that's... We, we think we should be farther than that. And so we, we look at our lack of progress and we say, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be cussing anymore. I've been a Christian for 30 years and I still, I still let them slip out. I shouldn't be doing this. And so we look at the lack of progress and We say to ourselves, I, I'm going to quit. You know what, Pastor? I'm going to come to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to listen to your sermons and then I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live my life. I've tried the whole Christianity thing. I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried not to worry like the Bible tells me. I've tried not to um, get away from His Word in the middle of the week, but I just struggle all the time. I'm done. I don't make the progress I once did. You look at other people and you say, they've got this, I don't have it. I'm trying my best and I'm not making progress. And some one day you feel like these people did. I'm not even sure if it's worth it. Certainly in a group of people this size, there are those of you in some category of your life right now, this is what you're thinking. Listen, I'm giving it my all in my marriage. I'm trying to put up with this whatever person. They're not even engaged. And I'm trying. I don't even know if I want to try anymore. I'm so discouraged. I'm giving it my best. But I'm not getting anything back. Some of you with your kids... You're praying for your kids. You're going, you're giving them good advice. You're doing everything you can do to help your kids make good choices and decisions. And you're like, could he be any farther away from where I, where I led him to be? You know, I brought him up in church. I, I taught him how to, how to read the word. Could he be anywhere farther away from the Lord? I give up. Tried to do the best I could. But I sit here and I'm discouraged. It's so discouraging because you tried everything and you know that you know to try. And they continue to make decisions that are just devastating. And you can see where they're heading. And you think, I can keep you off of this. But you don't know how to get them to listen to you. And you feel really discouraged. It could be any number of things. Spiritually, you're trying so hard to overcome that one sin and you look back again. I've been working with Jesus with that for all this time and that one sin, maybe I just can't ever overcome that. Maybe it's just not worth it. You wake up one day and you think, I tried, I'm not there, they are, and I've worked harder and you're just discouraged. I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. It's a little bit risky to do this. Because I want you to hear my heart. I don't want letters. (laughs) I don't want, we love you, Pastor Brett. I don't want this. I'm not telling you this for that. I'm just telling you because I want to be real this morning. I have to or none of this makes matters. I live with constant low-grade discouragement. Sometimes middle-grade. Sometimes high-grade But it just never goes away. I'm always discouraged. I always feel, number one, I'm discouraged at my sinfulness. And I'm a Jesus follower and a pastor. And I still can't believe I do that. It makes me sick. 
I'm discouraged because I never feel like I do good enough. After this message today, my mind will not shut off the rest of the night. I promise you. I should have said, all day long, that's what will be going through my mind. I never feel like I deliver. I feel a sense of divine responsibility for you. Jesus is a good shepherd. We are the sheep. But another metaphor is is that under Jesus, a good shepherd, I am the shepherd of the flock. And it's my job to help the sheep follow Jesus faithfully. And sometimes, it just doesn't feel like it's working. I try so hard to help people have the marriages that God wants them to have. And then divorce happens. And it wrecks me. I work hard on these messages to keep you in your attention. I work so hard. I try to bring God's Word to life. I try to preach God's Word faithfully and passionately. I try to keep it Christ-centered. And then it's the people just like football. Forget church until later on. I got family responsibilities. Forget church. It just happens. It really does. Then our church doesn't deliver sometimes. You're like, well, the church did this. They hurt my feelings. You know what? You're right. They did. We were wrong. And it grieves me. Because we let somebody down. And someone got hurt by this. And all of this kind of stuff. I just live in this constant discouragement. You say, why are you telling us this? I'm just trying to get you on the same level playing field so we can all be depressed together. And so we can hear from God. Actually, I don't want you to whine. I don't want you to be discouraged. I want to tell you we all live there at some point. They're doing this and they're doing that and I'm not. I'm trying so hard and I'm not seeing the progress that I want to see. Friends, that's where we are. Look, some of you will go to bed tonight and you will sleep well. And I praise you for that. I will be worried about Monday night. I will stay up all night. I will wake up and think, did we cover this? Did we cover that? Did we cover this? Some of you come to services and you say, Pastor, why do you get so frustrated when we're not where we need to be at time?" Because I worry about those things. See, discouragement reigns in my heart. Because I want to make sure that God is represented well. I want to make sure that people get the message. I want to make sure that it is done in a way that people say, Wow! Not wow, Pastor Brett. Wow, Jesus. For giving the opportunity for me to hear this message. But you see, it's a 24-7 thing. I don't ever forget or think not think about church. You say, well, you went to Myrtle Beach this summer. You don't think I thought about church in Myrtle Beach? You should ask the people that went on vacation with me. Please understand. I'm where you're at. Just because I get a thing called a paycheck at the end of the week doesn't make it any easier. So I share this because I think there are people that think he never gets discouraged. He never feels like quitting. Oh, how wrong you are. It's probably weekly. Will the small groups take off like we want them to take off? Will this go on? Will this happen? Will this happen? And my mind races constantly and so if you are sitting here this morning discouraged we're in the same boat we're with each other so that's why this message was so hard to prepare because i wanted to get up and say for those that are discouraged here's a message and act like i'm not one of you But like I said before, what good would that do? What good would it do? It would be a lie. 
you remember last week when the people of Jesus, of, of uh, Jerusalem were like, they said these words, we don't know how to build a temple. And God's like, just let's make it real, real easy for you. If you missed last week, you just missed so much. God basically said, it's just one, two, three. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You go, you get the, the, you climb the mountain. Number two, you bring down the timber. And number three, you build the temple. Some of you weren't paying attention, so I'm going to tell you again. We can go over this all the time. Basically, I actually like doing it. Here's what you do. You go up to the mountain, you bring down the timber, and you build the temple. That's how easy it is. You just do what I told you to do step by step. You choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It's not easy to. It's, it's, it's easy not to. I'm going to do what you told me to do is what God is asking us to do. And the whole message of this sermon series is called The Time Is Now because I believe personally with the way that the presidential election is going, with the way the country is looking, with the way that we are divided as a nation, God is setting up His church to be a place where people come and yeah, they may be divided politically, but they are one in Jesus. And He's setting us up perfectly to be there, to be the lighthouse that we've been called to be. The question is, it's the time now for Faith Church. I can't answer that. You can. Because you see, as much as we want to tell people that the Faith Church is the brick and the mortar at 400 North Temple Boulevard, it is not. Faith Church will dismiss in just a few moments. And they will go to Laureldale. They will go to Schuylkill Haven. Or Schuylkill, yeah, whatever. They will go to, they will go to Reading. They will go to a lot of places. They will go to Muhlenberg Township. They will live there. Faith Church is not here. This is the brick in the building where we come and we worship and we learn, but this is not Faith Church. You are. So when I ask you, the time is now, Faith Church, I'm not asking the bricks and the mortars because they're saying, hey, we've been here forever. We're waiting for the people. We're waiting for the people. This week we get discouraged. What do we do to God? What, what do we do to do, God? Watch how loving He is, and it's so amazing. He talks first to the governor, then to the high priest, then to all the people, and He tells them the same thing. Here's verse 4 of chapter 2. But now, be strong. Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jazaduk, Dak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. So what does God say we need to do when we face discouragement? First, He says, be strong. Be strong. The great news is is that we don't have to be strong on our own power. See, that immediately when I said be strong, there were people around this sanctuary that said, I can't. Great. He can. See, if we're going to focus on our strength, it's going to fail us. We live in New Testament times and our New Testament teaches us that when we are weak, His strength is made perfect through us. In other words, I don't just have to be strong in my own strength. I've got a supernatural strength dwelling within me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within those who believe. When you are strong, you don't have to be strong. When you are strong, you don't have to be strong. In fact, when you can't do anymore, you're about to give up. That's when you are a perfect candidate for God's strength. Maybe you're there. I, you know, Pastor, I came in here ready to quit. Don't do it. And don't do it because I'm telling you not to do it. Don't do it because he's about to do something in you that would be amazing. I got to tell you, when you're on your way to church as a pastor and you're feeling like, I'd just rather turn the car around and go back to bed. I'm tired. I had a long week. That wasn't today. That's when I come out of service and people are like, wow. 
God did something here today, Pastor. Don't give up too soon. What do you do when you face discouragement? Second, you do the work. You be strong and you do the work. You put down another stone. I just put down a stone and it didn't seem to make much difference. What do you do? Be strong. Put down another stone. Put down another stone. But if it's not working, consistently do the last thing God told you to do. Consistently choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Consistently do the work. Put down the stone. Put down another stone. Put down another stone. And yet another stone. Consistently do the hard thing. Here's what happens in most churches. And it happens in more than, than, than I'd like to admit as a pastor. Here's what happens. We're doing our little jobs. And we're, 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 we're working hard at our jobs. We're putting down stones. And one mountain hits us. And what happens? Pastor, I'm done serving. Why? I'm frustrated. I haven't gotten far. And then the same people come and say, why aren't we farther along than we were? He asked you to put down the stone. And you quit. And when you quit, that means another person has to put down the stone. Means another hands that are getting dirty, that are working hard. And so when God says, listen, go do this, and He's challenging you, do not push Him off for another responsibility. Come and do it at Faith Church. Work for Him. Be strong and do the work of Jesus. Here's a quote that I found this past week. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Let's go back just for a quick minute to David and Goliath. David goes out to his... To, his, to the reigning force, to Saul, and says, listen, I want to fight this giant. And everybody's laughing at him because he's this small, the Bible's very clear, he's small, he's dirty, he's this sheep guy that takes care of sheep. And they're like, how are you going to beat that guy who's eight foot tall, nine foot tall, holds a, holds a sword that is like thousands of pounds, or hundreds of pounds. How, how in the world is this going to work? You know what David says? David says, these, he goes, look, I beat this rabbit one time. So I'm going to beat the Goliath. No, he doesn't. I told you something totally wrong. You know what he says? I killed the living daylights out of a wolf one time when they came for my sheep with my bare hands. A bear came, tried to get the sheep. I killed this bear with my bare hands. So you want to know how I'm going to kill that Goliath? I'm going to kill that Goliath the same way I killed the bear, the wolf, and everything else that came to attack the sheep. I'm going to do it with one stone and I'm going to knock him down because the power of God is with me. What if he goes up to Saul and he says, I killed a squirrel who tried to come into my sheep pen. What if he comes in and he says, I tried to kill a rabbit. I killed a rabbit. Saul's going to shoot his head around and go, are you kidding me? A rabbit? Goliath? You see, David consistently did what David needed to do. And so when the time was right, when he was ready to go and win this battle that we would talk about for thousands of years, he was able to go up to Saul and say, yeah, I killed a bear once. Yeah, I killed a a wolf once. Now let's go back again and let's say David says to Saul, I killed a rabbit, I killed a squirrel. Let's say he says, one time when a wolf came into the sheep pen, I ran. I took off, man. I wasn't getting myself dirty with that wolf's blood. One time when a bear came into the sheep pen, I, I took off because, I, you know, it's just too much to handle a bear. What's Saul going to say to him when he says, um, what about Goliath? I'll tell you what he's going to say. Kid, get out of the way. 
If you can't handle a bear, how in the world do you think you're going to handle a Goliath? Let me tell you something, friends. Some of you are facing bears and lions and wolves in your ministries. And God's preparing you for the day when the Goliath is going to come in and you're going to be able to whoop his rear end if you don't quit with the bear, the lion, and the wolf. See, we get discouraged and we get so far off. So how do we lay another stone? We lay another stone by being strong and continuing to love our spouse even when our spouse is unresponsive. We lay another stone by being strong and continue to reach out to that person even when they do not hear you or let you in. We lay another stone and we be strong and continue to love your children and pray for your children and stand for your children even when they don't stand for anything that you believe is right. You see, you be strong and you show up. You show and you show back up. You be strong and you stay in the game. You be strong and you never, ever give up. And that's exactly what we all need to do. When I live with that constant discouragement, I continue to say, in the strength of God, I will get back up and I will lay another stone. Even if it kills me. Then God says something that they can't even get their minds around, but God says it in verse 9. Here's what He says. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. And now here's what he says. He says, look, the glory of the house that you're building is going to be greater than Solomon's glory. And they're like, no, 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 God, you must have misspoke. And God says, no, the glory of this present temple, the one you're building, is going to be greater than the glory of the former temple. And they're going again, no, it won't be. You see, even secular historians say Zebrel's temple wasn't even close to Solomon's temple. There's no way. What are you saying, God? Here's the punchline. I don't want you to miss this. In the Old Testament, people had to go to the temple and make a sacrifice in hopes of being right with God. Let me say it again. In the Old Testament, people had to go to the temple and make a sacrifice in hopes of being right with God. The New Testament, God says something real crazy. Here's what he says. Now those who are followers of Jesus, you are actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the house where God dwells. This is the most mind-blowing thought because everybody thought you had to go to the temple to experience God. And now God says, if you're a follower of my son Jesus, I actually dwell within you. Here's what he's saying to them. He's saying you have made it all about a place. And here's what he's saying to us. Don't make it about the place because my temple is in your heart. And so when you make it about a place, you break my heart. Because my temple lives in you. So you want to lay another stone? Do it. Because my temple is in you. And so he blows their minds because... They, they, they're looking at this and they're saying to themselves, we quit a month in and he's saying that this is going to be a greater temple than Solomon's temple. And God says, no, you're going to be great temples in the New Testament. You're going to be great temples in the New Testament. You see, my friends, here's what Jesus wants you to know this morning. Straight from the mouth of the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to close up in just a second here. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me say that again. If Let us not become weary in doing good. Why, God, shouldn't we become weary? He goes on. For at the proper time you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up. Here's what Paul is saying to the Galatian church. And I think it's the greatest thing. 
if, if right in front of me is a revival at Faith Church, where people come and know Jesus, where people grow in their relationship with Jesus, where, where, where we become the community that God has called us to become, the connectional group where people are, are getting together and, and outside of church are even growing in, in, in the Word together. All these great things that we see that could happen in the future of Faith Church, if it's right here, what God is saying is, is that many people, many people give up right here. Done. I've tried it for 30 years, Pastor. I'm finished. And what God says is, listen, at the proper time, when I see you doing what I've called you to do, I'm going to blow this place open if you do not give up. If you do not give up. And so Jesus, through Paul, challenges us. And this morning, I want to challenge you, Faith Church members and friends. I want you to be real this morning. I've been real with you. I want you to be real this morning. Even ever been discouraged or currently are discouraged, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for this simple moment. And I'm going to keep on talking, but I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, not looking around, just simply think over the past week. How much of that time did you spend discouraged? And today you're here saying, Oh, Pastor Brett, I want what Haggai teaches us. I want to be strong and do the work, but man, that old discouragement comes back over and over and over again. Are you there this morning? Are you discouraged? you are, I just want you to do one thing and no one looking around right now. I want you to slip up your hand. Just slip your hand up and say, God, here I am, man. I am. I'm where they were. I want you to keep your hands up. I'm going to pray for you just now, and then I want to go on and sing a song. But as we sing that song, I want you to make your way to the, to the altar rail if you have your hands up. Not now, but when we sing the song. You can kneel or stand, but just come. And then at the end of the service, we're going to do something different this morning. But more on that, in just a second. So let me pray for those who have their hands up currently. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, You know the hearts of each person here this morning. Whether they have their hands up or not, You know where discouragement rests. And God, like in Haggai's day, there is discouragement all over the place. We want to go on, but we just can't. You tell us to lay another stone, build another ministry, do another thing at Faith Church, and we just say, we're tired. Lord, some of us are fighting fights at home and in the workplace. We're trying to live the Christian life, and it is just discouraging. We want to give up, but yet we know it's not what you would have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that You would minister to each heart that is discouraged this morning in the power of Your Holy Spirit. That You may grasp, that we may grasp how deep and how, how long Your love is for us. And that, Lord, if we are on that verge of giving up, we may be remembering Galatians chapter 6 even now, that at the right time, at the time when Your Spirit is ready, you will bring great revival. Help us not to give up before that time, Lord. Help us to be strong. And thank You, Lord, for each person that was able to be real here this morning. To be honest with You and encourage them as we sing this closing hymn.
and also encourage them as they go from this place today. For Lord, it's in Your name we pray this all. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to come down and join us. We're going to, if we could, go to the ends of the pews and hold hands around this place. And we're going to pray for Faith Church today as a part of this message. So if you can get around the edge, we're going to try to do an entire way around the sanctuary. But if we have to cut through, we will cut through. So if you could just find a place, grab a hand, and actually go to the edge, the end in the aisles, that would be great. I know we are beyond time, but I feel the Holy Spirit saying to do this, and I am not going to ignore Him today. So, um, well, I don't usually ignore Him any day, but uh, this specifically today. So let's, uh, I think we're going to make it pretty cool. couple other people here and then we will bow for a word of prayer and I will dismiss you this morning. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to bow in your presence, Lord. You have been doing a work here at Faith Church over the past many, many years and we thank you for that work. We ask you, Lord, to to continue to do a work that is powerful in each of us. May you challenge us and grow us May you encourage us this day as we walk out of here to continue on, to continue to fight the good fight and continue to serve you with all of our hearts. And we'll be careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for what you do through each of us that is called Faith Church. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. You are dismissed today. Thank you for coming.